podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger Podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bécher, meaning digger. Hello Cricket Badgers everywhere, welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. They're coming thick and fast at the moment, keeping me busy, keeping me with something to do and hopefully keeping you entertained out there as well. If you followed at cricket underscore badger, you'll know that we've done two votes so far. We've done the Goat Cricketer for England and we've done the Goat Cricketer for India. So Ian Botham won the English version. Sachin Tendulkar won the Indian version. The top four in each vote automatically qualify for the World Goat Cricketer, which will happen at some stage in the future. Well, this podcast, it launches the Goat Cricketer for the West Indies. Some fantastic names that have played for the West Indies down the years. Some really entertaining cricketers. The Calypso Kings not just in one-day cricket, but in Test Match cricket as well. If you're of a similar generation to me, that West Indian team of the kind of 70s and 80s is just ridiculous. They smashed everybody and some brilliant cricketers that took part in that team. But also either side of that as well, we've seen some superb talent coming from those islands in the Caribbean. And this is your chance to vote on it. Who is the greatest of all time when it comes to West Indian Test cricket? I'm joined on this podcast by a friend of mine, a cricket journalist in the Caribbean. He's uh, based on Barbados, David Harris, and we pick five nominations each. They will be then added to another 22 names. They will go into the draw and we'll do the same as we've done for India and England. We'll basically trim them down with your votes until we get to the final four and decide who is the greatest of all time when it comes to West Indian Test cricket. As always on the podcast, I'm dedicating the additions to various people who are affected by COVID-19. And this one goes out to the cricket badges around the world. David is currently in Barbados. I start the chat with him talking about how Barbados is struggling with coronavirus at the moment. But we've got cricket badger friends in all parts of the world, wherever you are, whether it's sunny, whether it's raining, whether it's cold or hot, whether you're in a one bedroom flat like myself or whether you've got a mansion and you've got loads of garden to play in. Everybody's affected, everybody's struggling, and this is to all of you out there. I hope you stay safe, I hope you stay well, look after each other, and we'll get through this and get through the other side and hopefully see some cricket being played very, very soon indeed. My thanks, as always, to tvsportsblog.com. Have a look at that website. They sponsor the Cricket Badger podcast now. Some great sporting content on that site. Give them a follow as well on at tvsportsblog on Twitter. But anyway, let's get into the Calypso Kings, the West Indian greats. I've nominated five. David nominates five. Here we are discussing the 10 that we nominate. And as a reminder, hashtag Goat Cricketer on Twitter. Follow at Cricket underscore Badger. Over the next few weeks, we will find out who is the greatest West Indian Test cricketer of all time. It's that Badger style. 
you're about similar age to me, you'll have very good memories of the West Indies. Not necessarily in terms of scoreline, if you're an English supporter, but you'll have some very fond memories of the players that played, certainly during the kind of 70s and the 80s, some absolute legends of the game. But there's plenty more besides. And I'm joined on this edition of the Cricket Badger podcast by a good friend of mine from Barbados, David Harris. David, how are you? Good morning, James. I'm fine. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And before we get on to the cricket, you're in lockdown as well as we are in in England at the moment. What's it like in Barbados at the moment? Is are people struggling over there? Is it is it tough to deal with, or is everybody okay? COVID nineteen has affected us like it has um, affected all countries throughout the world. They are currently on lockdown here. So far, five people have died from the virus. Um, another seventy five have tested positive. All the curfew here in Barbados, but people are allowed out to do essential services such as shopping and banking. But after you have completed those tasks, you are supposed to get back inside and remain home. I live in a one-bedroom flat in England, David, and I have not got not got a, a garden or even a balcony at the moment, so it's quite it's quite tough to deal with. Are you, are you okay? Have you got a garden somewhere to stroll out in the sunshine? Uh, I have a garden and uh, a couple of folks also. Earlier, you'd have heard some screen in the background so I'm playing at the moment good stuff um, Barbados is an island um, I, I love Barbados it's one of my favourite places on the planet and it's an island which is heavily reliant on tourism and all of that will be stopping at the moment won't it is there concern I mean as you said it's a global crisis everybody's got their own problems but tourism is going to be massively affected over the course of the next few months oh yes that's the major concern here um, so far over 5,000 people have been laid off in the hotel industry, all major restaurants have been closed. A number of hotels have shut down. And so they're expecting a severe economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, the Cropover Festival, which is our carnival, has been cancelled for this year. So we anticipate that there will be a number of economic difficulties here. The island will almost have to reboot after the pandemic is over and start all over again. The good thing after many good thing in such a crisis is that our foreign reserves are fairly high at the moment and the Prime Minister who is also the Minister of Finance have been speaking about government injecting a number millions of dollars into the economy to reboot it as soon as we get some kind of all clear here in relation to the pandemic and there are a number of major constructions because along with tourism, construction plays a vital economic part in the economy. There are a number of construction projects which have been placed on hold during the pandemic and several others that are expect that were expected to begin during the pandemic are still on stream as soon as this thing is over. It's certainly not affecting the, the cockerel behind you. It's the crack of dawn where you are, isn't it, in Barbados at the moment? And uh, <laughs> it's uh, just coming up to 10am UK time. Hopefully, David, there will come a time in the not-too-distant future where I can buy you a rum and we can 
sit on a beach somewhere and we can talk and it's all in the past but uh, that seems quite a long way away at the moment unfortunately well I'm looking forward to that James <laughs> um, I have been on lockdown I haven't sang a karaoke chilled this in the last three weeks well, that, that's that's I was going to come on to that actually, because any, anybody that listened to the the Cricket Badger podcast that I did from Barbados a couple of years ago will know that you sang on one of those. I recorded you singing. I, I set my goal to get you a record deal. I've, I failed you badly, David. I haven't got you a record deal as yet. Uh, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Um, <laughs> that's what things are for. You make you try, but you don't succeed. But you're forgiven. <laughs> Let's get talking about cricket. Let's think about better things. And one of the things that one of the reasons we doing the the hashtag goat cricketer votes on the cricket badger podcast and on the at cricket underscore badger twitter feed is to think back to more nostalgic times and to things that make us smile and there's plenty of west indian cricketers that do exactly that down the years we've picked five each and this is the first time david that i actually picked five and then you kind of fought with me a little bit and we we had to kind of exchange a few favorites because you've got a few of my favorites i've got a few of your favorites but let's start with number one i'll let you go first who is your first nominee for the hashtag Goat Cricketer, the greatest ever West Indian Test cricketer of all time. Who are you going to plump for first and why? Well, my first nomination is George Headley. He made his Test debut in 1930 against England in the first Test match ever played in the West Indies. It was held at Casanova here in Barbados. Headley at that time was 21 years of age. Haley was born in Palama of a Jamaican mother, but a Barbadian father, and he grew up in Jamaica. Haley scored 2,190 runs for the West Indies, including 10 centuries at 60.83 in 22 tests. But the phenomenal thing about Haley is that between 1930 and 1939, he scored 2,025 runs in 19 tests, including those 10 test entries. So in other words, Headley scored 10 test entries for the West Indies from 19 test matches. He was the first dominant batsman the West Indies ever produced. I call him the first superstar of West Indies cricket. And he, he was dubbed the Black Bradman, wasn't he? I, I know I've talked to Dean Headley, um, who's obviously a, a relative of, of the great George Headley. And uh, Dean said that he spent some time as a youngster. He went out to the Caribbean to play some cricket and he got mobbed over there because people have very fond memories of, uh, of George Headley. And as you know, the Caribbean countries, they're very passionate about cricket and they, they remember the legends, don't they? Yeah, well, Dean Haley was George's grandson. Um, Ron, Ron Haley, Dean's father, who played for Worcestershire and played a couple of test matches as an opening batsman for the West Indies, was George's man. But I think I need to correct you on something you said about Haley being referred to as the white Bradman I thought that Bradman was called the Black Headley <laughs> well I, I guess it depends on your perspective doesn't it but uh, a, ver- a very fine very fine player I mean the, the stats don't lie do they I mean cricket is uh, is very much a subjective sport but it ultimately comes down to your stats and there are very few people that have got stats like George Headley I think he's a, a fine nomination to get us cracking for the GOAT cricketer for the West Indies I'm going to go with my first nomination now David and I'm going to go with my 
Michael Holding as my first one. Everybody of a certain age now, I guess, will know him as a as a fantastic voice on commentary on TV. But as a player. He was something else. As a fast bowler, he kind of epitomised that generation of West Indian cricketers. They had that battery, that pace battery of four bowlers, and Michael Holding led that, really. He was called Whispering Death, wasn't he? Because the umpires couldn't hear his footsteps coming in. He was such a graceful action. He had speed. There was that over he bowled at Brian Close, the famous over that if you YouTube it, you'll see Brian Close just getting peppered by Michael Holding, being very, very nasty indeed. There was that over that he bowled. I think it was at Sabina Park where he bowled that first over to Jeffrey Boycott and completely bamboozled Jeffrey Boycott. No, it was like Captain Offal in 1981. Com- completely did the great Jeffrey Boycott um, with pace and and, and, ev- and everything. He's just a, a phenomenal player. And you look at his test record, it, is, it stands testing me with, with anybody else's. He's, he's taken 249 test match wickets, an average of 23.68 Best bowling in a match, 14 for 149. And he was, a, he was a bowler, David, that could just destroy a batting lineup. Yeah, Holden was a little fast bowler. He was absolutely fiery. I first saw him when I was a real lad. At that time, he was playing youth cricket for Jamaica way back in 1972. And even then, he was very rapid. Michael Shirley was one of the great fast bowlers of Indies cricket. This is athletic runner and his little bouncer. He was just a destructive fast bowler. Absolutely superb player. And uh, I know a lot of people in Derbyshire particularly still have very fond memories of his county stint with them too. So Michael Holding, he goes into the hat as my first nomination for the hashtag Goat Cricketer for the West Indies. The Cricket Badger Podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Excellent sporting content. It's well worth a look. And give them a follow on Twitter, at TV Sports Blog. Let's get back to you, David. Your second nomination and why, please. Well, my second nomination is Everton Weeks. F. Hadley was the first dominant batsman of SNU's cricket. Weeks certainly was the second. A member of the famous batting trio of Essendon batsmen who dominated cricket between 1948 and 1958, that decade that began just after the war. Weeks was simply a phenomenal batsman. He played his first death in 1948 against England. After a series of modest scores, he was dropped for the fourth death in Jamaica, but injury to George Haley saw him being called up as the last minute replacement for Haley, and he scored 141 in that death. And as the saying goes, the rest is history. He then went on to India, where he scored four consecutive hundreds to set a record of five consecutive test hundreds, a test record that is still standing today. A brutal and attacking batsman attacked all bowlers in a relentless manner. Even though he never scored heavily against Australia, certainly his impact 
as a batsman for the West Indies between 1948 and 1958, in which he scored 4,455 runs, 58.61, makes him, in my opinion, one of the greatest West Indian batsmen of his time. When he retired in 1958 at the age of 32, he was the leading scorer at that time for the West Indies in Test cricket. Everybody associates Weeks, Walcott and Worrell, don't they? The three W's, the famous West Indian three W's. Which, if you were to put those three in, in some kind of order, um, I take it for the fact that Everton Weeks is your nomination, that you'd, you'd put him at the top of that threesome, would you? Um, yes. He scored the most runs of the three W's, even though he and Walker scored the same number of centuries, 15. But by far, he outscored both Sir Clyde Walker and Sir Frank Worrell in Test cricket. Yeah, fantastic nomination. That's your second one. Everton Weeks goes into the 32 that will be the first round for the hashtag goat cricketer for the West Indian greatest Test cricketer of all time. My second nomination, David. He's on the screen in front of me. I'm sure... As a, as a Barbadian, this man will be one of your all-time heroes. Sir Garfield Sobers has to be the greatest all-rounder of all time. Powerful, destructive batsman. There's the footage of him scoring the 6-6s, but obviously this is test cricket. I grew up kind of watched, playing top trumps. I, I learned a lot of stats by playing top trumps. And Gary Sobers, if you had him in your hand, he pretty much won every single round of top trumps because he, he pretty much topped everything. But yeah, he, he had the highest test score at one stage, averaged over 57 in test match cricket. He um, also was a, a phenomenal bowler as well and, and could bowl different types of delivery. He had the seam attack, he had yeah, the wrist well, spin. Uh, he, 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 he could do everything, couldn't he? G, Sir Gary was, he made his debut for the West Indies as a slow left arm bowler. And Wonga being the greatest all-rounder the world has ever seen. Truly amazing batsman. Most of his records were batting records there is a story that after 65 years still remains a legend here in Barbados well a story people still like to hear when Australia came to the West Indies in 1965 in the test match here at Barbados Sagari was Still seemed to be a left-handed bowler and not a batsman. The wrestling used needed someone to open the innings and sobers volunteer. And in a breathtaking 15 or 20 minutes at the crease, he struck the then highly acclaimed fast bowling attack of Raleigh Moore, Wall and Keith Miller for 10 fours. He scored 41 in a twinkle of the eye before eventually, I think he was out by Bill Johnston, another left arm, a left arm seamer from Australia. Now, let me make it absolutely clear, James. I was not born at that time, but it's a story I came to hear my grandfather, my father, my godfather, and my uncles telling. So, so where's 
Trilly and a Mifflin great cricketer in 1966. That tour to England by the West Indies was probably his greatest moment in Test cricket, his finest hour. He scored over 700 runs to 20 wickets and also held a number of spectacular catches. In addition, he won the toss on all five occasions. Terrific player. Over 8,000 test match runs at 57. He also took 235 test match wickets at an average of 34. Has to go down as the, the greatest all-rounder of all time. So he's my second nomination. Yeah, he also scored 26 centuries. Yeah, I think he's a very worthy candidate for this, uh, this vote. It's that Badger style. Let, let's move on. Let's move on to your third nomination. Who are you going to go for and why? Well, my third nomination is Vivian Richards. Sir Vivian Isaac Alexander Richards. Certainly the most outstanding batsman during the golden era of Essence cricket and one of the greatest batsmen of one time who played for his country with pride and was the match winner in any contest. Richards was simply awesome at the crease. He strode to the crease with a familiar swagger and wild bowlers normally drove fear into batsmen. Sir Vivian drove fear into bowlers. I mean, he scored 8,540 runs at 50.23, including 24 centuries in 121 test matches. His golden year was in 1976 against England, where he scored 829 runs in just four test matches. Truly a remarkable performance from an awesome batsman. You, you mentioned it there, the swagger. I've, I've written a piece about Viv Richards where I just said he's the coolest cricketer that ever ever walked the planet. You see votes now, wherever it is in the world, who's your favourite batsman of all time? And Viv Richards is always either top or very near the top of that because everybody just loved the way he played. He was just he just seemed fearless. He just had that cap on his head. He, he took on all attacks. He was a, an attacking player. And in a way, David, if you we're kind of cricket journalists who wish we could be that good but if, if you could be a player you'd want to be Viv Richards wouldn't you because he just had everything right um, he had fair right you know everything going to form um, he simply was a dominating cricketer right he was cool he could be passionate at times he was Mr. Batting at that time yeah, and people in Somerset will have very fond memories of him and Joel Garner as well, who doesn't make our nominations, but Joel Garner, a special mention to him because he's certainly going to be in the 32 for the uh, hashtag Goat Cricketer poll votes as we get going on that. My next nomination, David, is Sir Gordon Greenwich. And I was lucky enough, last time I came out to Barbados and I, I spent a bit of time with you, but I also went to Sir Gordon Greenwich's house. He does, uh, he puts on functions and he invited all the players over there. Yeah, a really nice bloke. I, I, I interviewed him as well. He's a very modest man too. He's, he, he's not somebody that has uh, got a massive ego. He's very uh, modest about his achievements in the game. But he was a, a tremendous over 
Outner. I mean, we, we look at Outners these days and you look at the likes of Saywag and David Warner who get their teams off to a, a phenomenal start. Well, Gordon Greenwich was um, ahead of his time in that respect. He just came out as an opener and he, he took the attack to the opposition, scored uh, over 7,500 test match runs at 44, had a, a, an opening partnership with Desmond Haynes that goes down in cricket folklore. Just a, a, a terrific player. I remember that innings at Lords where England had set to the West Indies quite a challenging target and Gordon Greenwich was was injured and he had that kind of that, that thing about him that he was uh, like a wounded animal and he came out and played even better on one leg than he did on two legs he was just a, a phenomenal player you, you must have fond memories of him David as a as a as a Barbados um, resident of watching Gordon Greenwich play yeah well I can recall Greenwich playing in his first match for Barbados it was against the Leeward Islands in the attack that included Andy Roberts his first 32 runs were eight fours. He retired hurt. I think he pulled the muscle and then he came back out to bat later in the innings. He did not score a whole set of runs after that, but the impact he had from his first eight scoring shots certainly remain in my memory. Of course, by then he had created a reputation here in Barbados as an opening batsman for Hampshire. But that was the first time that we would have been seeing him play in a first class match. Despite the fact that he was a attacking batsman, he was also a technically correct yeah. player. Maybe he was the most technically correct player of West Indian batsmen of his era. And he too is a fantastic nomination for title of greatest West Indian player of all time. If you're listening to Gordon, I wish you a happy birthday. 69 years old, he's going to be, well, 10 days from now, when he, when he ever hears this, it might have gone or it might have uh, it might be just around the corner. But a terrific man uh, and thank him for his hospitality that day in Barbados a couple of years ago. As you know, on the at cricket underscore badger Twitter feed, we've been looking for the hashtag goat cricketer, the greatest test match cricketer of all time. We've done the England vote. Congratulations to Sir Ian Botham. We've done the India vote. Congratulations to the little master, Sachin Tendulkar. And we're now turning our attention to the West Indies. Who is the greatest test player of all time to wear the maroon cap? Follow the Cricket Badger on Twitter at cricket underscore badger. Have your say, discuss the issues and have your vote as we find who is the greatest West Indian Test cricketer of all time. The top four in each of the votes will also go through to the final, the world's greatest ever Test match cricketer. So second, third and fourth place matter too. Who is the greatest West Indian Test cricketer of all time? Hashtag Goat Cricketer on Twitter. Follow at cricket underscore badger to have your say and have your vote. Let's move on then to your next nomination, David. Who are you going to go for next? Lampscapes is a phenomenon among West Indian bowlers and the West Indies is known for fairy pacers, but Lampscapes is a bowler that is extremely remarkable 
in the history of FNU cricket. An off-spinner, another fast bowler. He played 79 test matches, took 309 wickets at 29.99. And at one time, he was the leading bowler in the world after he broke Freddie Truman's record of 307 test wickets back in 1976 against Australia. Gibbs was a tall right-handed off-spinner with long fingers, which gives him exceptional spin and bounce. He exploited every conceivable change of pace, flight, length, his stamina and courage were virtually unlimited. After making his test stable against Pakistan in 1958, he played until 1976, which was remarkable. A fierce competitor, despite the fact that he was not a fast bowler, he had the mentality of a fast bowler. He was fierce, passionate, competitive and a brilliant gully feeler. A cousin of the legendary West Indian captain Clive Lloyd, Gibbs is one of my nominations for West Indies player, greatest player ever. Where does he sit in the in the, in the kind of hierarchy in terms of how the West Indians look at their players? Because as, as a spinner, I mean, we, we all kind of look at the fast bowlers, don't we? And, and we look at, I mean, you're going to bring up Malcolm Marshall in, in a few moments' time, but the holdings and, and all of the, the fantastic fast bowlers that we've seen. Gibbs was a spinner. So does, does that kind of threaten or, or kind of taint his, his memory a little bit because everybody gets excited about the fast bowlers and not necessarily the spinners? Yes. He is not hell with the refer your reverence fast bowlers such as Holden, Roberts, Garner, Bishop and the others are held. His impact on the game was certainly remarkable and among people of generation who would have seen cricket before the 1970s he is still held in high esteem. I think he's a terrific nomination. So thank you for that one. I'm going to move on to my fourth nomination now, and that is Shivnareen Chandapal. And he is a player. Um, I watched him. I can't remember what year it was now, but I watched him playing for Warwickshire. And he's basically burnt on my retinas for, for all eternity because he just batted and batted and batted, never shifted. He was like a, some kind of limpet at the crease. I, I got a firm admiration for two reasons. A, he had a, a technique that was a little bit peculiar. And I've, I've got a fantastic admiration for a, a, a youngster that comes through and sticks to his guns and, and stays playing like that, regardless of probably coaches telling him that he should change. And I just, the, the appetite to score runs and to stay batting, I just think was incredible with uh, Shiv Chanderpol. I, I spoke to a few of the players at Derbyshire when he came over and he had a season there. And they said that he basically racked up the bowling machine in the nets and they all stood in awe just watching him bat because he racked it up to some express speed and set it on maximum swing, um, kind of in-swinging Yorkers and just stayed there for 20 minutes just batting these uh, in-swinging Yorkers away, trying to get used to English conditions and just had that ethic, that work ethic. You know, not the most kind of dynamic or exciting West Indian batsman that you'll ever see because we've mentioned a few of the other ones who probably their show reels will be a lot more explosive than Shiv Chandapur. 
polls, but to play 164 test matches and to still average over 50 as he did, score nearly 12,000 test match runs, that's just testimony for me to how, how good a player he, he was for the West Indies. Really was an under-the-radar kind of superstar for me. So Shiv Chanderpol, he is my fourth nomination, David. Yeah, he always had a hearty appetite for Renf. I remember him as a schoolboy playing in a youth tournament, scored over 300 runs. I think the tournament was played in Jamaica, and Shannon scored a triple century. Always difficult to get out in 1994 at Queen's Park Oval, a match where the wrestling is bowled out England, I think, for 44, 45 runs. The wrestling is were floundering, struggling a bit. And Shanda Paul scored a patient 50-odd runs, which gave the wrestling is a reasonable lead and set the stage for Ambrose and Watch to dismiss England after they were set. A modest total, despite being known as a dogged and determined player, Shanda Paul, he also had the capacity to attack whenever the mood strike came. I remember him scoring 100 in under 100 minutes, I think in 67 minutes or 70 minutes. That was the rapid 100 against Australia border back in 2004. So to me, a kind of enigma known for his strong defense and determination, but yet had the capacity to attack whenever the mood strike him. And a good nominee for the greatest West Indian cricketer of all time. I saw him, as I said, playing for Warwickshire that year against Yorkshire, and I think he scored um, a century in each of those matches. And it got, I mean, you, you said that, you know, he's got the capacity to attack. He, he was very much in first gear all the way through it, defensive, keeping bowling attacks out. And then all of a sudden, it was like he got bored and suddenly kind of thought, right, I'm going to score a few runs here. So he'd just open up in and over, score three fours, and then just go back inside his shell a, a, again and had that capacity to just go through the gears if he wanted to. And fantastic player for me. He's also got a son, David, and I interested about his son. His son's playing in Guyana at the moment. He's played 43 first-class games, averaging just well, just short of 30 in first-class cricket. A couple of centuries to his name in first-class cricket. Um, is it Tajenarine um, Chandapal? How's he thought of? Is he is he uh, somebody that could go on and play for the West Indies? Maybe 23 at the moment. Yeah, well, he could. He's seen as the test prospect, almost a replica of his father. He's the left-handed batsman like his father, and he bats with that same air of doggedness and determination. There's a possibility that he would be, can be selected for the wrestling team sometime in the future. It's that Badger style. Let's move on to your final nomination, David. And this, this is one that I would have been prepared to fight you over because, for me, Malcolm Marshall, he's the best fast bowler that has ever lived. But over to you, the reason you're nominating him. 
I was supposed to Malcolm was the contemporary of mine. I was the contemporary of mine, sort of, because I knew him before he became test player or even a national player for Barbados. I knew him as a cool boy. At that time, he was a carbon copy, but he was a right-handed slowburst. And we always thought that if Malcolm played cricket at international level, he would have being a batsman, he was a rather stylish schoolboy player, um, attacking, good square cut, puller, hooked the ball, and lo and behold, all of us were surprised when he became the devastating fast bowler that he is known to be. To me, probably the greatest fast bowler of all time. His action was not side on, so therefore it was not the classical action that would satisfy the purist. But he had a quick hustle to the wicket and a fast arm action that simply generated rapid pivs. In addition, he could cut and swing the ball sharply and were out batsmen in the same way as with the precision of a surgeon. He was simply a phenomenal fast bowler. In 81 tests, 276 wickets at 20.94. You recall him going to India on wickets that were not exactly suited for fast bowlers and he took 33 wickets. Now this was in India in 1984. Marshall took 33 wickets which was virtually unheard of at that particular time for fast bowler. And then his exploits in England too are well known especially against them in 1984, it was when he brought his finger at Headley and yet produced his best innings figures of 7 for 53 in the second innings. Truly a fantastic, a great bowler and one who I felt retired from the game a bit too early or was forced out of the game too early at the age of 32. When I left Barbados last time, I got a taxi from the hotel to the airport and the, the taxi driver, um, like you, he, he said he, he went to school with Malcolm Marshall and he just rabbited on. I could have listened to him for days. He just rabbited on about how fantastic Malcolm Marshall was all the way from the, the hotel to the airport. He pointed out some uh, landmarks. He's buried in that uh, behind that church over there and he went to school here and all the rest of it. Just in such enthusiasm about one man um, sadly taken from us far too early in terms of his life but a terrific terrific bowler I watched him play for Hampshire as well and you, know, you, you talk about some of the, the best overseas signings that English counties ever had obviously Richards and Garner at Somerset stand out but Greenwich and Marshall at Hampshire in tandem was, was, was terrific David Oh yes yeah Malcolm was a remarkable bowler a terrorist prayer, one who gives his all to whichever team he was playing for, simply a master craft as a bowler. And 
a batsman who had the capacity to bat than you feel like. Yeah. What, what was he like as a, as a person, David? You said, you said you knew him when he was a youngster, but you also, you would have spoken to him, I presume, when he was a player as well. Was, was, was he a modest man? We always seemed to have a very big smile. He looked like a nice fella. Extremely modest. Um, typical West Indian, um, not too keen about speaking about his exploits, but always willing to enjoy a good party, hang out, have fun with his friends, and knock off a couple of Athenian beverages. Hey, sounds good to me. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. The listeners are going up every single week through COVID-19. Hopefully, we're giving you a little bit of entertainment to take you away from the troubles in the world. Thank you very much for listening. Loads of great guests planned for the next few weeks as well. So stay tuned to Cricket Badger podcast. Like, subscribe. Thank you so much for your support of the Cricket Badger podcast. All right, let's move on to my final nomination. We've rattled through these very quickly, haven't we? We've got to nomination number 10, my fifth, and it's Brian Charles Lara. I was lucky enough in uh, Abu Dhabi um, a couple of years ago to share the same room as Brian Charles Lara for, uh, for three days doing a bit of TV coverage of a tournament out there in the, in the Emirates. And um, I, I found him... Good company, really good company, but quite quiet as well. Kind of, you, you have these um, when you when you see players from a distance, you have these preconceived ideas about what they're going to be like. But Brian, um, very very kind of shy almost as a, as, a, as a personality. But as a player on the pitch, you don't get too many. We talked about Viv Richards. Brian Lara was kind of the modern day version. Left-handed, obviously, but broke the world test record for the individual innings twice in his, in his career. 400 not out. Will that ever be beaten? Possibly not, but averaged over 52, nearly 53 in test match cricket across 131 matches. Also played a load of one-day internationals. If he was around nowadays, he would be one of the fixtures in all of the T20 franchises, earning massive amounts of money around the world playing T20 cricket, I'm sure. Um, but a, a terrific, terrific player. He, ca- he captained the West Indies as well. But yeah, for me, standout player, batting-wise, you look at the kind of modern generation of batsmen and you know the true legends of the modern generation. You've probably got Ponting for Australia. You've probably got, well, you have got Sachin Tendulkar with India. Probably the closest England get in terms of genius is Kevin Peterson. But Brian Lara for the West Indies, he, he's the man, isn't he? A genius, simply a genius. I think Lara's best attribute as a batsman was his ability to pierce the gaps in the field with almost with precision. I don't think I've ever seen a batsman who had skill and ability to just go through fine gaps with the ease Laro found him also a strong mental character he possessed. I remember in 1999 after the West was a wallop 5-11 by South Africa in South Africa. The next series was against Australia in the Caribbean and in the first test they lost heavily. Australia bowled them out for 51 runs. Lara's captaincy was 
on the track and the referee need, need needed to do something to avoid themselves another drubbing after the humiliation of being defeated five love in Australia. Alara set himself the task to pull it around. The referees won the second test in us in Jamaica due to a double century. Lara scored and then came a phenomenon innings here in Barbados. With almost half the side out, Lara scored a fantastic 153 runs. Easily one of the best innings I ever saw to guide the referees to a come from behind victory against Australia. An innings that no one anticipated he would play one of sheer class. It showed his character, how strong he was mentally. And to me, it showed why Lara was a great batsman. He had the capacity to guide his team to victory alone. And he surely did it in that third test against Australia at Kelson Oval in 1999. Yeah, it's a terrific player, Brian Lara, without question. That, that year in 1994, when he first broke the test match record, went past Gary Sober's total, but then came to England, played for Warwickshire, had an incredible summer for Warwickshire. He were the best county in England at the time, and uh, to get to 501 not out in that uh, in that innings um, in the county championship was was something special. You know, during that period in the mid 1990s, nobody could touch Brian Lara. He was just an absolute genius with the bat. We've come to the end of our nominations, David. We've got so five that I put up: um, Shiv Chanderpool, Brian Lara, Gordon Greenwich, Gary Sobers, and Michael Holding. Your five: Malcolm Marshall, Viv Richards, George Headley, Everton Weeks, and Lance Gibbs will go into the hat. I'll had 22 others there's plenty of other West Indian greats as well will go in to make up that vote and then over the next uh, few couple of weeks on the at cricket underscore badger Twitter feed we'll be voting to find out who is the greatest of all time if I was to give you the choice of any of those 10 indeed another one if you want to if you want to be left field David who would you say is the greatest West Indian test cricketer of all time if you had to pick one Gary Sobers Easy as that. Easy as that. So Garfield Sobers would be uh, David Harris's pick. David, it's been brilliant to talk to you again. I miss, I miss Barbados. I hope I come out there and see you again very, very soon. I hope you stay safe over there as well, mate. Um, love and uh, regards to everybody out there in Barbados and hope everybody can get through the COVID-19 crisis. But it's been brilliant to talk to you, David. Thank you for joining me on the Cricket Budget Podcast. My pleasure, James. And you be safe, my friend. I, I know what you're going to have for lunch as well. There's that, that cockerel needs eating, I think, that's out there. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I I am a fish man. I have some fish today, right? not chicken. <laughs> right? These scots are more like pets, really. They just get up in the morning and keep a lot of noise around the area. Take a picture of them and send, them to, send it to you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd imagine they're quite good guard dogs as well. If anybody was going to creep up around your house or whatever, their cockerels and chickens would uh, would raise the alarm, wouldn't they? I think they would run. And we have dogs for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been it's been really good to talk to you, mate. Um, I hope you do stay safe out there.
there and um, I hope I see you soon. I will talk to you again very shortly, I'm sure. Yeah, well, you being safe, James. I'm looking forward to sharing a rum and coke with you sometime in the near future, my brother. Uh, but that would be very, very good indeed. I would, I would love that at the moment. I, I, I was looking at some old pictures of my, my trip over to Barbados and my, my few trips over to Barbados and sat in my house uh, in my flat at the moment looking out at the sunshine and not being able to get out there very often. Barbados seems absolutely like paradise for me at the moment. I'd love to be there. Well, man, it's nice to know that. It's really quiet at the moment, though. Um, because of the COVID, there isn't a whole host of activity or anything like that. Going to the beach is prohibited also at the moment. So we're just moving slowly along for now. Hopefully activity would pick up sometime in the not-too-distant future. Yeah. But I could see the beach from where, where the harbour from where I am, although it's three miles away, and it still looks enticing even from this distance. <laughs> I'm sure it does. It looks enticing from this distance. Um, I can assure you, even though it's good many hundreds of miles away. But thank you for coming on the uh, on the podcast this week. Yeah, you you stay safe and take care of yourself, mate. Okay, thanks. My pleasure, buddy. It's that Badger style. He's a terrific bloke, is David Harris. I wish him safety and good health as we go through the next few weeks and months of the coronavirus. And everybody out there in Barbados, it's a special, special island. I've had a few trips down there. I've been fortunate enough to go down to Barbados and watch cricket and commentate on cricket and write about cricket and enjoy the island as well. And it is one of the most special places on the planet. So love and good health to everybody that I know in Barbados and indeed everybody that I don't know in Barbados as well and throughout the Caribbean island. So get voting, hashtag Goat Cricketer on the at cricket underscore badger Twitter feed. Over the next few weeks, we will find out who is the greatest West Indian Test Match cricketer of all time. Discuss it on Twitter. Make sure you vote. Make sure you have your say. We'll get the top four to go into the world vote. We'll also find out who is the greatest West Indian Test cricketer of all time. Thanks for joining me on this edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. I'll be back with you very soon. Got some terrific guests lined up over the next week or so. So like, subscribe, leave a nice comment on Twitter. Keep an eye out on the Twitter feed as well for the next episodes that are coming out over the next few weeks. Thanks for joining me. Stay safe out there. And I'll see you very, very soon indeed on the Cricket Badger podcast. Podcast Network.